But you have doubts? Affirmative. I'm Shelby. I'm Colin. And I'm Jace. And tonight we're going to dive into not just one episode, but two, The Daleks of Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks, which are episodes four and five from series three. Oh, heck yes. Back in time to the 1930s, as the Empire State Building is being erected into New York, we start our story. Yeah, Hooverville. I actually really liked that the plot was like really made sense for the time period they put it in because that was a time period in a place where people were desperate enough to need to have those jobs and to be able to be pulled in and everything, and it seemed to really fit in a way that um, a lot of historical stories don't exactly. It fit, but I guess the one disadvantage is that the Daleks, which are these incredibly powerful beings, don't quite fit into the whole New York, Manhattan uh, office space of the Empire State Building. <laughs> it was pretty amusing watching them like use the elevator. <laughs> you uh, Pigman. Oh, yeah, Pigman. Uh, yeah, the Pigman were a little bit of a... Almost kind of like a throwback to um, Aliens of London, where, or not Aliens of London, yeah. the first one. Oh, no, that is the right one. Aliens of London, where, uh, of course, you had that pig running around. Um, it's a bit of the opposite, though. In that episode, you have a, a real pig getting human-like traits, and in this one, you have a human getting, getting pig-like, pig-like traits. Yeah. But certainly, you know, it seems like the Daleks took something out of the Slovene, you know, uh, playbook here to <laughs> create some pig-like hybrids. Well, technically, if you go chronologically, the Daleks did it first, because they did it in 1930. <laughs> that's, that's fair, that's fair. It gets very timey-wimey. <laughs> um, one thing I think that is an extremely strong part of uh, the first episode, um, Daleks in Manhattan, is the character of Tallulah, who, of course, um, is in love with Laszlo and is trying to make ends meet as an entertainer. Quite a dashing young entertainer with quite a New York accent. Yeah, not, not not the brightest bulb, but so sweet and, you know, determined. Well, I don't know. She seemed pretty, uh, well, yeah, maybe not the brightest, but she she carried her own, I think. Yeah, I think oh, she was she, very courageous. I she was extremely so. courageous and, and, you know, she actually seemed, you know, in some ways more companion-like than Martha at times. Yeah, and she had, she had talent. She, she had, was a star. And uh, past that, you know, she had immense loyalty to her boyfriend, even after he became, you know, somewhat pig, uh, pig-like. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and so that kind of helps set up the, the stage for the, the, uh, the strength of the characters. This, was, this had a lot of strong characters in it. And then you've got the people living out in um, 
Hooverville. In Hooverville. Yeah. Solomon. You, Solomon was a, another strong character. Um, oh, yeah, to piggyback on that, I think he was, like, my favorite. He was, he was a boss, like, even up until the very end where he gave his master's speech. I mean, us knowing the Daleks, that was going to work out for him. Finally, but, someone other than the doctor gets to make a massive speech. And, yeah. and makes that attempt there, because that's exactly the type of thing the doctor does, and that he did right afterwards. It was just hard watching that, just knowing it was like a total lost cause. But you know what was interesting is watching uh, Dalek Sex expression when that when he died. Oh, yeah. Sort of I like, mean, that got through to him. If anything, it unleashed his humanity. It did, and like just, you know, the so- total surprise at how much, you know, empathy he must have felt at that moment. And that rides into and the next really interesting character, which is Dalek Sek. Yeah, Dalek Sek, of course, is, um, I mean, he's the leader of the cult of Skaro. And apparently they're supposed to have already had it in them to imagine and to think outside the box. Well, they established that in uh, Doomsday. They did. Um, it just seems like the others are rather reluctant to think outside the box, whereas Dalek Sek is the one that obviously comes up with all the schemes and all the plans. Well, they I mean, yes, to maintain they ra- racial like impurity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we, all we really know for sure is that they were against this idea. Yeah, but I, I think we still see some imagination and some shiftiness. You know, the doctors are the, the Daleks. You know, are scheming. Like even as we did our little opener here for that one, um, just. Uh, interaction between the Daleks were like, okay, we're not going to obey anymore. Let's yeah. imagine that this is wrong and we take it in a new direction. That's true. Even That's though it was super very crazy. Dalek-like, that is, even that is very against Dalek nature. Yeah. What was the guy's name who was in charge of the Empire State Building that was um, Oh, employing? gosh, I don't remember, but he did a really good job. Yeah, he's a great villain. Um, I can't remember his name. This is fucking the heck out of me, but he, um, he sets it up in the first half of this story um, quite nicely where he's he is almost a villain and the Daleks don't even almost he's almost a Dalek (laughs) yeah he is almost a Dalek with them yelling at everyone and telling them they must work or else yeah and his total ruthlessness and exactly and um, and he really does I mean he wants to conquer the world maybe not quite the same way as the Daleks do (laughs) but he does definitely uh, have that ambition which the Daleks quite enjoy yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he more he does want to conquer it, but the Daleks just want to exterminate it. At least that's what it comes into the end. I mean, it, at other times they certainly have grand visions, which I think is really interesting about you know this series. Um, just the potential you know of of Daleks to merge, come out of the darkness, be a whole new species. The Doctor even entertains it. It's very interesting. Yeah, and like really, I mean, how many times has the Doctor made that offer to some villain of? You know, just lay down your arms and I will fly you in my TARDIS to some uninhabited planet and set you up there and you can have a great life and not hurt anybody. And to have a Dalek turn to him and, and, you know, supply that plan, just be like, well, you could fly us here and we could have our whole new life. I don't care about killing these people. I just care about, you know, survival. It was just such a big turnaround. And weird, given they just want to kill everything. Well, yeah. But apparently that amount of humanity was enough to spark a change, plus the fact that he obviously, you know, had some sparks of genius there and imagination, which really did kind of change from the start. And actually, to the credit of the rest of the cult of Scarrow, however they managed to change the genetic fluid they were using, you know, sneakily was probably pretty impressive. 
Yeah, they don't exactly have the capabilities that we can see with those plungers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those sucker arms, as they call them. Those in intelligence evaluate evaluators. Yeah. Slash suck people's faces off, slash use their computers. Many uses. Many uses. Yet another character that shows up and is played by the famous Andrew Garfield, who of course is Spider-Man in, in uh, the Marvel Universe, or at least for at least two or three movies, um, he uh, is Frank, and I think we should mention him as well. Oh yeah, that yeah. totally went over my head. But yeah, they're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they're and they're stuck in New York as well. Coincidence? I, I don't know. <laughs> Genetic laboratory? I, I don't know. What's coming next? This might really just be a, a whole little prequel. Another. Uh... I, I will say this during the two episodes. One one issue that I did have was there was a lot of running around in the sewers, and it seemed like people were always in the sewers. And it seemed like they were always... It seemed like they were just running them in circles. Yeah, like when they ran into Frank. Yeah, Yeah. they ran back into Frank. Or Martha runs back into Frank, and and he's in line with with all the Daleks. Why were they still there? Weren't they supposed to go become pig people at this point? Yeah, it didn't seem to take very long to scan them once they got around to it. The only thing that I can think of is, well, we know the, the pig people weren't smart to begin with, and I think some of their intelligence diminished. But I think, you know, perhaps they're just really just going around hurting for a long time until they had enough, you know, um, throughout the series. Unless sewers. there were, like, tasks or jobs that they were supposed to do down there, but that was never explained or shown. So that's that would have made more sense if they had done that. Also, the genetic stuff that they did didn't really make any sense because you can't just, like, inject someone with a serum and have them turn into a different person. Well, of course, you had that. Yeah, you have to imagine No, but I'm talking about the the thing that they did with all of the half dead like comatose people, and the thing that the doctor did with Laszlo at the end of just like straight injecting them with this like genetic transfer fluid or whatever didn't really make sense. Plus, why didn't any of the humans take on any physical Dalek characteristics? Like, I get why they wouldn't as much as Dalek set because he wasn't straight absorbed, but any sort of you know personality things associated with genetics also tends to have some sort of physical component. Well, I think it was a physical component, but we, we saw a couple of times they referred to as shells, you know, just like the Daleks, you know, tanks are shells. Mm-hmm. Feasibly, you have Dalek-like beings controlling those human shells. Oh, so you're thinking there's like a Dalek inside the human body? Yeah, or something a little bit more Dalek-like, at least. Okay, you know? I could get down uh, with that. But, you know, it really didn't bother me. I, I think, you know, there's some interesting, you know, ideas on the future of, you know, DNA modification that I could get go along with the serum, you know, in the future. But what I can't get along with lightning. is, yeah, a, a lightning or gamma rays Somehow transferring genetic codes, you know, down down oh, floors. Especially other... since the doctor wasn't breaking, like he wasn't in the middle of a circuit. He was next to the metal that got struck by lightning, and no, so he, he was holding, he was holding on to it, but he wasn't in between. Like the lightning didn't go through him to pass through the rest of the metal, so that didn't really work. And then you're right, gen- genetics can't transfer the lightning. Also, in what way does a solar flare equate to a lightning strike? Well, I, I think they were separate. I think there was a solar flare, and there was also a lightning storm. Okay. Unless that was really depicted just in a different manner. But, but they you're were right, like, they're different. It, it was like, yeah, like at the exact moment when the you know gamma radiation was supposed to come through the solar flare, and they were all like, the lightning's definitely going to strike up there. Yeah, I thought I missed something when I was watching that. 
Well, it's a good way to defeat a pig army when you're one man down. Oh, well, that part was cool. The What Martha did with the, you know, defeating the, the pig army was neat, and that made sense. How do you all feel about Martha in these two episodes? I think that she was on the better side of Martha, but it also she did a lot of damsel in distress yeah, stuff. Yeah, she was damseling. And, you know, it was like they kept bringing up, oh, she's a doctor, but then, like, she didn't really pull out her doctor's skills very often. It was, like, one time and then only because the doctor told her to. Like, the, pig o- the pig operation with the lightning was brilliant. You have, yeah. you have to give Martha Oh, yeah, that, that, that was great. But That was all her doing. Yeah, it was just sort of, I don't know. Well, she also figured out that Dalekanium was used to uh, enhance the, uh, the Empire State Building. Well, right. Shoot. That I was feel like hurt. it's kind of a shame that, like, if Martha wasn't there, the doctor still pretty much would have been there. Yeah, um, but he wasn't though. She was the one that figured out what was going on. He didn't know until she told him. So that was one thing. Yeah, but Laszlo could have told him too, probably. Like, I mean, it just sort of seemed like everything that Martha did okay. in this episode, she could have been written out of the episode, and it wouldn't have changed very much. Perhaps. I don't know. That's that's hard. Yeah, well, maybe, but I, I do think you know if Martha wasn't there, honestly, they, they probably are are all dead. But th- there was a definite connection between her and Tallulah. That's and true. She was the one, that, and Martha was the one that was trying to get her to kind of go back to Laszlo in a sense. And she was there to she was basically there as a companion, not a companion, but a person that would that could help her out, make her make Tallulah feel better. And she did. She's a doctor, so it kind of works out. That way. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I liked how Laszlo got, you know, a semi-happy ending, but I have to say, you know, after the doctor, you know, saying that he just needs a large transgenic laboratory, I thought he might go a little bit, you know, further for, you know, more of an extreme makeover rather than just the internal life Yeah, extension. I mean, like, if you can extend someone's lifespan, you'd think you could do some plastic surgery or, you know, genetic... At least cut change. down those teeth. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Martha, Chase? I mean, I like it. I like her a lot more when she's separated from the doctor. It's like she actually uses her brain and thinks. Whereas when she's with the doctor, she's just like, "Oh, what do you, what do you think? Let me just follow you around." Like, I don't know. And she was also just very dancely, like, "Oh, the doctor is not here. What am I gonna do? He's my lord and savior. We're all gonna die." <laughs> like, yeah, man up. Like, you got this woman. Well, actually, I think to a degree. That's typical for a lot of companions throughout Doctor Who, is that when they are with the Doctor, they kind of rely too heavily on it. And that kind of makes some sense. Because but not as much as her. But I think... It's, I see, see, the Doctor is like a crutch, almost, in, in a sense, for a lot of people. If, they are, if you're with someone who's vastly intelligent and knows all this stuff, you're going to think, let's talk to them and ask them what we should do. Well, yeah, but there's a difference between... Using someone to, you know, supplement your own skills and, like, you know, help you and teach you and learn and grow and become a better person and kowtowing to that person and being, you know, subservient and weaker when they're around. That's that's true, but I, I think the point that's being made, if I could use another analogy, it's like, you know, using Google Maps and relying on your phone and the Internet instead of knowing how to work a compass and use a map do all those other things. You know, if you have the oracle that is the doctor, the last time lord, um, you know, you go there before you try and, you know, find out all the answers on your own. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and, um, and I think, in a sense, 
it, and this is probably for most companions, but including Martha, she is learning from the doctor. She's watching him, and he's showing her exactly who he is, what he stands for, and how things should be done. And I think, ultimately, every companion that watches the doctor will take on a lot of his qualities as a result. Yeah, but I think that in a very broad sense, like, most companions become better people for being with the doctor. Martha becomes a worse person whenever she's with the doctor. Worse, like, in what sense? Like, weaker. Weaker. And I have a question. Do you yeah. have to be strong? Well, I mean, weak, like, she, she, like, doesn't use her intelligence or is her courage as much, and most companions are more courageous around the doctor. She I don't know. I think she her. uses her emotions a little bit more, and I think, if anything, you know, this episode hits at that some importance. Well, you my know, question kind of brings back to that. I guess my question was, like, I don't, I don't know, I'm not used to seeing new companions on Doctor Who. I'm normally just watching them in, like, the middle of seasons or whatever. How often does the Doctor kind of, I guess, crave, I don't know how to describe it, crave their past companion as much as David Tennant is right now about Rose? This is extreme. Um, you do be liking Rose. You, you, you do see a little bit of it. Like, every once in a while, you know, Matt Smith's Doctor will, like, talk about Amy or River when he's around Clara and stuff, but there's never, like, anything like this. This is by far yeah. the most extreme and version of it. That's probably something for, something really hard for Martha to deal with, because she's just like, oh, I'm just, like, this dude's side chick, because he lost the rebound. one that he liked. Yeah, like, I, she's, like, the rebound. Maybe that's something that could also be an issue but she's for not, her. I think in this episode, it seems like she's coming more to terms with it. She's understanding yeah. her place and she's not, she didn't really have as much of an emotional response to it as much as she just was contemplating it. She's talking to Tallulah about it, and she's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, he doesn't really see me. She, I think he's really seeing this person that he really, truly likes, and she's understanding it. She's get, she's, it's kind of getting to her, and she's, at this point, understanding, okay, I understand where he's coming from, even though yeah. I haven't been through that myself. If he really, truly loved this person or really, truly cares about this person and he lost her in, in such a way that and I don't think he's even explained much to her, then she's, she's the one coming up with, oh, the ideas of what this person means to the doctor. It's not the doctor trying to explain it to her. And which, that's, that's fair. It's a powerful you know, side of Martha just there in her character, you know, that she's brought that up to a conscious level and you know, she can see that. It, I think it shows great emotional intelligence, just where she is. So even though, you know, a lot of times we see that kind of damselly thing, or pining afterwards, you know, she she understands what's going on. She's not a slave to her own emotions and, and wherewithal in quite the same way. Not like those pig slaves. No. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a metaphor for something. I know when I think pig, the first thing I think of police, but I also just think of gross scum and intelligent just there existing is that supposed to be like a metaphor for some of the I, human race I think that partially I think that also it sort of makes sense because there's a lot of like you can do a lot of organ transplants between pigs and humans in a way that you can't with other animals oh, so cool. there was probably a lot of like just based on that like genetic similarity to be able to pull it off so I like a human and a slug wouldn't be a as good of a fit, fit yeah. yeah I think aren't pigs the most compatible with humans in general, in terms of their DNA. Um, I don't think that's that's true no, in terms not, of DNA. Not DNA, but organs. Yeah. 
But like in terms of like the, the size, the shape, the function of like, you know, a right. heart or something mm-hmm. like that, I think it, it happens to work out. You know, we'd be a lot closer to chimps or bonobos. Well, yeah, no, that makes course. sense. Hopefully we are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even I think, you know, rats are one of the better things to use, you know, in terms of experiments. Well, because yeah. their brains are more similar to ours than a lot of animals. They're a bit smaller, though, in okay. terms of organs. Well, of yes. course. I'm trying I to hope so. think of, like, <laughs> if I were to insert another animal there instead of a pig, what would it be? And then what would that, how would that change the episode? Yeah, a Dalek. Dolphins. I was thinking dolphins. Yeah. I was like, "What's the most ridiculous?" <laughs> well, South Park has done that, so it might yeah, be that's the most what I was ridiculous thinking. thing. It would be kind of ridiculous since they're on land. If it was a rescue for dolphins. <laughs> oh my god, that's one of my favorite episodes. Or I don't know if you guys watch Mr. Pickles. Oh yeah, yeah, that little dolphin like TV show they have within the show, just like a dolphin. Oh yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the one that goes into space or whatever. Yeah, the dolphin space situation. I don't know. Oh. An extra unpaid ad within our... Uh, <laughs> within you our imagine that being in the world of Doctor Who? Easily. <laughs> I wonder... Okay, so like there's like... Okay, so I'm young, so I grew up watching shows like The Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron. Oh my and, god, I watched The Fairly Odd Parents. <sighs> okay, so there's like... They're differently animated, so like... The Fairly Odd Parents is more like a cartoon, pen and pencil, and then Jimmy Neutron is more like 3D, and it's like two different universes combining, because like one's more of a drawing, and one has like all the sides present, and I was thinking, what if Doctor Who cartoon just dorkingly like did like, I don't know, kind of like Space Jam, where it's just like mixed, like real I life mean, cartoons. I mean, you saw, it you wasn't mean really like quite... in Flatline, where they have the 2D people coming out of the walls? That's like, what I was yes. going to reference. <laughs> I don't know, I just think that'd be like a really fun, like just one hitter to have. It's just like Maybe you should be a jail like that. That'd be cool. Imagine like the doctor going into like the peanuts world or something. (laughs) Or the peanuts coming to him. I don't know. I would like to see the doctor and Sherlock hang out and try to solve the crime together. I don't know, I think Doctor and Spider Man was a good mashup. I think we could really go for a sequel to this to this series right here and Let's go into the Marvel universe with Doctor Who. Yeah, you just go and you see, like, you know, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man after he loses, you know, his love. is just like, Doctor! <laughs> I think that might be difficult because I believe Doctor Who was actually part of the DC Universe when the comics were uh, released in America. Well, somehow they work it out in video games. There's all these yeah, DC versus Marvel say, stuff. There, there has to be a path forward. Universe after right? universe after universe, you know. We're all one. That's what Doctor Who is. We're all one. Everyone matters. Yeah, well, you've got the Lego uh, video game that has Doctor Who and Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and every other entity all combined into one. Lego, it's the true uniter. <laughs> you know. Any rate, well, back to this story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's good to have these side conversations. Um, what did you all think of the Doctor's involvement in the story? Honestly. I thought that might have been somewhat of the weaker parts of the story, at least coming into the end, uh, ending with the evolution of the Doctor. I thought he was a little sporadic, you know, and he he had a few moments where he was a martyr and really wanted to be, where he shouldn't have any reason to think that he was going to survive. You know, I, I would have liked him to think out through some of those things rather than just say, take me before the other people. Uh, it didn't seem like it was the right thing, but... 
I just thought it was a little really back and forth or inconsistent how he was really against the Daleks and he understood their capacity for all this great evil. And then he's like, well, let's help all these Daleks. And, and even when he saw like all, you know, the shells of the humans, he was just like, okay, shells of humans. Yeah, maybe we will take another planet. And then even at the end, after, you know, they come in, he comes back to talk to Dalek Khan. Oh, so they say, like, what are you going to do now, man? Let me help you. I don't want to be the genocider, but... Okay, so I disagree with everything you said up until the talking to Dalek Khan. I give you that, that that one was a little sporadic and out there. I feel like all of the other things he did, they were really more about Dalek set, about him looking and recognizing, here's a person, here's a person who, you know... regrets having, you know, wiped all these people clean, but they're already wiped clean. There's no going back for them. So, you know, he has an opportunity there to steer, you know, a species in another better direction. I mean, basically cure the Daleks of being evil. I mean, he's the doctor. How could he not take that chance? You're right. It's it's an exciting potential, but I just feel like we were caught between these two sides of the doctor. Um... That I think we've both seen, and we do see that compassion, but we also see, like, when it comes to the Daleks, they don't deserve compassion. And we've kind of even seen that, you know, just throughout the past episodes and our most recent interactions. It it really seems like a flip on the head um, to some degree. But I I understand, you know, where you're coming from, and I feel that, I feel a lot of that too, and that's a lot of what I like about the episode. But at the same time, it's, it's hard to, I think, you know, just live that that doctor's back and forth there. As much as the doctor loathes the Daleks, and specifically these four Daleks, because, you know, they were the reason he lost Rose. At the same time, Dalek Sec gave him what he, like, always yearns for, which is an enemy who decides to change their mind and do something else and not be evil anymore and ask for his help. Like, he's always giving people that opportunity. He's always saying, please let me just help you. Just stop what you're doing and I'll get you out of this and everything will be fine. And no one ever does. Right. And in this one, he was actually given that. And, you know, he never seems to be able to kill off the Daleks entirely. So being able to change them into something better just seems like a much, you know, better alternative. At least give it a shot once. Any thoughts, Jace? She's like on fire with what she's saying. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't watch a lot of episodes that involves, like, the Daleks, so to see them as, like, talkative as they are and seeing a Dalek kind of, like, venture off and have their own thoughts and their own ideas to where, you know, they're seen as the enemy and the other Daleks, like, rebel against them and then hearing that apparently, like, Dalek babies exist, it's like, the Daleks aren't just these tanks, like, they're creatures that think and have babies and are independent <laughs> to a degree. They're complicated, man. Yeah, it's just like, wow, I didn't know the Daleks had this potential. It was always just kill, kill, kill. But they're like, nah, let's chat, too. I love That's the kind of horrifying, like, that they have the capacity for that, but then still are evil. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times we see it actually rejected. You know, we don't always see it as Dalek sect, like where, you know, that humanness is embraced truly, even to the point of where... You're sacrificing yourself to save the doctor and save others. He literally died for the doctor. Yeah, a Dalek. He did, he did that. But, you know, the first time we see a Dalek, you know, in this reboot of Doctor Who, it's a Dalek that's influenced by a human again. You know, it's the same kind of a thing. And I like how, in a lot of ways, we come full circle here with that dynamic between 
you know, the human in the Dalek, you know, the potential for humans to be so Dalek-like and for that to be seen um, gives another layer of horror. But we come back full circle also from having one Dalek on Earth in such a big threat back around to one Dalek again temporarily shifting through the universe. It's just a huge threat. It's just one Dalek. There could be armies or there could be one. You know, it's still a huge deal. Yeah, because when there's one, there will be more. <laughs> I always wondered if, if they made Dalek Sect being the black Dalek, the primary Dalek that turns good in this particular story. I wonder if they did that on purpose. I think that they just made him black to make it more obvious that he was the leader. Yeah, no, I know. I just It just was kind of interesting. I, I, I kind of enjoy the fact that the, the black or the darker Dalek ends up being the, the, the yeah, good guy. Yeah, because always seen as being bad and, like, many and everything. Yeah, this. like, just look at the master. He's there. got the classic wearing all black goatee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, like well, that's a, But that's also where Doctor Who comes in quite nicely is that things aren't always as it seems. There's so many aliens or monsters that turn out to be good, like the Ood. Or, or the Jadun even could be considered good. Jadun are neutral. Yeah, they're kind of neutral. But I'm just saying, there, there's a lot of characters that you think are the e- evil uh, adversary, but they turn out to be actually just normal aliens just trying to have fun. They just want bread for their families, too. And if we could all be a little bit more like Uberville, maybe uh, things would be a little lighter. Um, no, I don't want to get, like, in Hooverville. That place was terrible. As we're talking about the philosophy, I thought it was nice, you know, when we saw their leader, you know, break up that just beginning interaction that made me give a lot of respect, because it's not something that I think most anybody would do, or I'm not even sure if it's, you know, maybe the right situation to do and everything, but he made it a point, and he made it a point of everybody being around him to say, this is what we do here. We share, we take care of each other. Yeah, although I did kind of think that it was strange that the one guy who stole the bread ended up getting rewarded but with half of the bread. The point was that everyone was suffering, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, We're all suffering. Why are you fighting over this? Just share it and stop fighting each other, kind of. Yeah, but it just sort of seemed unfair to the guy who was stolen from. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of liked it because it was like, we're all in this together. Why is this happening? You're yeah. further dividing us. That's kind of yeah. how I saw it. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it was good. That was a big piece of bread and a nice piece of bread for how mm-hmm. poor those people were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that, does anybody know if that has real historic significance? What, Hooverville? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It was, it was atrocious. Oh man. Yeah. That, that was a pretty black part in American's history. And I mean that in the sense of like. You know, an, an evil Dalek sect type of thing. It's possible the bread. <laughs> it's also possible that bread was stolen. That's why it wasn't so gross. That's a good point. Yeah, that would be my guess. All right, so for ratings this time, we're going to actually rate the first episode and then the second episode. But then you can combine your two um, ratings and give an overall rating for the final one. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Okay. I was not prepared. For Yes. Well, fortunately, I am. So I'll go first. Okay, well, nice. just to reverse everything. <laughs> and maybe shall leave a second. Anyway, so for me, I the very beginning episode, I, I actually rewatched this for the first time in a long time. And it, this was actually a little bit better than I had remembered it. Um, this has always had kind of a negative... Um, criticism from the fans uh, for this particular two-parter, but I think the first part for me is uh, is easily a seven. It's not 
actually that bad. It's actually a very classic setup storyline. Um, you have strong characters that are within it, and you don't really get to too many of the ludicrous plot devices that they use to end the episode. Um, the second part, um, the evolution of the Daleks, I think gets downgraded just because of the points that we've already made. I mean, the, the Doctor transferring his Time Lord DNA through lightning bolts does seem a little bit far-fetched. And um, it a lot of running around the sewers just kind of ensues for the rest of that episode. So I just... I'm going to have to give that part a five, which then, of course, gives my overall average about a six for this particular two-part story, which actually is a lot higher than I was originally thinking it might have been. But I had to go by... I had to look at each aspect of, of, what, I was, of what this particular story had, and I, 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 I'm pretty confident that that's pretty, pretty much where I lie with regards to this two-part. So, shall we? All right. So, I actually kind of have to agree with Michael that uh, on rewatching this, I liked it, especially the first part, a lot better than I'd remembered um, enjoying it. So, I thought that it, I, I thought that the first one was uh, nice because it didn't have any of the you know plot holes that we pointed out, but also it didn't have much in the way of you know. The Dalek sec is the human Dalek hybrid, which was quite enjoyable. Um, I think that on average, both of these episodes were hmm, about in the middle ish. So I'm going to say that the first one, the Daleks in Manhattan, I'm going to give it a 6.5, and I'm going to give Evolution of the Daleks a 5.5, which also brings me to a solid 6. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. It's the first time we've had the same rating in a long time. I know. Colin. Oof. This is still tough to me. And, and just to, you know, to do some meta analysis here, this is a very different rating stance than I usually have. You know, normally we do one episode, then the other. It's even hard for me to clearly break up the two in my mind. They seem to be melded together. Um, but I, I think, you know, it really makes me value it more, seeing it all one in, in one cohesive piece. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it makes me think that some of the past classic Doctor Who is really onto something uh, where you might really see one cohesive story, and if you chunk it all and you watch it together, it might be a better experience. Um, but going in, I, I do think the the first episode, you know, was was fairly strong. You know, I, I do think the pigmen were a little bit hokey. Not my favorite monster of the week. Um, there was a little bit of you know running around in dungeons and such, but um, I loved I loved the Dalek interaction, really the Dalek philosophy of growth and you know it's not a genesis, but it's a it's an evolution into another direction that I thought was really fun and exciting. Um, so for the first part. I'm going to give it a 7 out of, out of 10. I, I think that was a good rating. Um, and, and I'm not sure, but maybe it's just a lot of because I was building on what was, you know, right before it. But I actually thought that the second episode here, Evolution, was stronger. Um, and for that, you know, I would go for a 7.5 out of 10. You know, I, I think it really did round out a story. They did wrap up some things. There were some, you know... Plot holes are some like, issues, but there always is. You know, it's Doctor Who. But I, I thought it was a good story, and I, I liked the way that we thought about the Daleks and their potential, I, and the full circle aspect of, you know, coming back to one Dalek and its dangers, and just seeing Daleks plot and scheme ac uh, against each other, or, you know, what they might perceive as not each other. 
Um, but I think you really got a lot of character development for the Daleks in here. And that's something that I value. Um, but as a whole, you know, I, I'm going to give the first part seven, first part seven and a half. I'm going to bump up this whole series to an eight. I think as one cohesive story, it's stronger and it's better than both of its parts. Hmm. All right. Well, I actually agree a lot with um, what you said. My favorite part about this kind of story is kind of just diving into the mind of the Dalek and really on a history of just really liking the Daleks on this podcast. But it was interesting seeing, you know, the Daleks be something else but killing machines, like talking, mingling, coming up with ideas, having Daleks kind of go rogue and have it like King Dalek or whatever his name kind of denounced by his peers and overruled. Like, you don't really think about that when you think about Daleks. Like, these are creatures that exist, had a planet, had a way of functioning, like, I guess, woke up and went to sleep, probably didn't use the bathroom, but you know what I'm trying to get at. It's very, like, they exist, they're real, they're more than just killing machines. And I don't know a lot about the Daleks, but, like, seeing the Dalek being able to, like, feel again, like, physically, and being able to, like, feel emotionally, I feel like it just completely skewed everything I'd ever known about Daleks. Like, I've always thought they were evil, there was no hope. This episode gave a lot of hope. So I'm very curious, because of this episode, what the Daleks will evolve into in later episodes, or what they could potentially, like, contemplate, or, like, I don't know. I just really like that about this episode. So, I guess for the first part, I'd give it a 7 for that reason. And the second part, I thought was pretty cool. I mean, Martha really stepped up, and I liked that. But the second she stepped up and was reconnected with the doctor again, I fear that the same thing's going to happen, where she just kind of chills in the back seat again. I don't really like in her, you know, Clara's kind of, like, ideal companion for me personally in that realm. I just don't like the damsel in distress idea. But anyways, the second part, I'd probably give a six. Like, it was okay. People survived. This dude gave his life for the doctor. I don't know. I'm just, like, in a huge, like, weird space with the Daleks now. And I just kind of like that weird feeling. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess probably a seven overall. All right. By the way, Mr. Diagoras was the name of... The guy that was in charge of the Empire State Building. Ah, oh, mystery solved. Yeah, I just yeah. thought I'd point that out. Diagoras kind of has some parallels to Davros, which got a nod in this episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's point. Dan Guts. I don't think we heard a, a Davros reference before this, potentially, in this reboot. Maybe uh, he did. Maybe not. I mean, he didn't actually mention him by name, but it was definitely a mention. You're right. Yeah. Any rate, uh, you can uh, leave us a comment on Facebook, or you can also uh, follow us on Instagram and comment. Yeah, and email us at thehoovinterview@gmail.com if you really want to. Any rate, have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. That's all, folks. Exterminate. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.